One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Clues, underwear drawers. They're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y- you got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients, 
so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is Jacqueline Secor. Some of these pieces are her very own. Oh, hi. Beautiful work. Oh, thank you. What are you thinking about this? Me? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's uh, a little messy in terms of the colors aggressive and... Um, That's interesting because it's actually my self-portrait. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we just concluded viewing of the last game of the regular season. Next week is playoffs, baby. So tonight, we got to see all the remaining players leave it all on the field in one last bid to make it into those all-important hometown and fantasy suite rounds. (laughs) I like this voice. (laughs) It was like my sportscaster voice. I was attempting. Then this week, we have traditionally the round of six. It has been round of seven for a few games now. And we had some predictions of who was going to make it into the hometown round, and neither Clues nor I were correct. Wait, did we have anybody off of our original top fours? Only Grippo. Grippo, and we both had Grippo. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Well, we got one of them right. That's pretty good. Just from looking at Instagrams, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna give ourselves a little boost there. I think that's pretty good. But tonight had a lot of interesting play in it. It had some great play that wasn't rewarded properly. I think, and we will get to that. We had a ton of gameplay speech. We even had Katie Thurston herself giving some little nods. To our beloved game, to the way we process it, to something we like to call Seleucian Protocol, which we will get to Uh a little bit later. But (laughs) I thought for what it's worth, tonight's game was a pretty good final regular season game. It didn't have a lot of explosive, bombastic stuff in it, but it just had some solid gameplay and a lot of people kind of like trying to do the math, trying to figure out what their strategies were. There were some moments where things would happen and they'd cut to Blake Moines with the other guys in the house and they all the other guys would be mm-hmm. like oh I can't believe this happened Moines's eyes would be at the ceiling he's doing calculations he's figuring out how he can turn yeah. this shit to his advantage I fucking loved watching it but I feel like there's more math than ever before and the guys know what the next card is going to be I don't feel like we've ever had that where they're like well the next card's going to be a one-on-one it's going to be a group date it's like they're picking up on the patterns Oh, this is 100% professional era now. We're fucking totally in it. And there's no going back from that. There's no way you can cast a season now with people who don't know the fucking game. People who are coming into the game are coming into it because they know it is a game. And they want to play to win. That's where we are now, and that's going to be from this moment moving forward. Or they want to find a mother figure. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch. We're going to get to that, but Jesus Christ, literally, he was present. Solid, solid bystanders this episode. Let's get into it, Clues. Let's get into it. Do you have any business up top? Sure. We always have some business now as Gore expands out Mm -hmm. into the, the big wide world. 
We have a book that is now available for pre-order. It's going to come out January 18th, but if you can pick it up now, if you can put in your pre-order, that helps us because we're trying to get on a New York Times bestseller list and every one of the pre-orders that we sell from now until January 18th gets applied to that attempt. So it is called How to Win the Bachelor. It is written by Chad Colchin and Lizzie Pace. You can get it anywhere that you get your books. We would greatly appreciate a pre-order or two or three. Pick some up for your whole family. You know what is it is perfect for? Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> Get your Valentine's Day gift now. It's yeah. got roses. It's about love. It'll come out before Valentine's Day. Just before it. You don't want to be waiting around last minute, Valentine's Day 2020, seven months from now. You don't want to be thinking, what no. am I going to get? 2022 will be the year. <laughs> pick it up today order it today to be picked up before valentine's day is that good marketing it's fantastic (laughs) marketing we also have a shirt out that has a logo on it that says do you hooju it is a celebration of our subsport and we saw a lot of that subsport tonight we've seen a lot this entire season katie thurston is really hoojuing at a level we've never seen and our shirt is a celebration of that. So you can go to bonfire.com slash Huju and pick one of those up in a variety of colors for yourself, your loved ones, whoever wants to celebrate Huju's with you. And also, we currently are trying to get nominated for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So if you want to help us out, you go to podcastawards.com and you look in the overall category and you look in the TV film category. Our name, Game of Roses, is in that drop-down menu, and it's a little bit of work. You have to create an account, just put in your email address and a password, and then you can vote on all of these different podcasts. We are in there. We would greatly appreciate your vote in that because we are trying to get into the main nominations, which would put us next to a Vial Files or something like this. And that's the uh-huh. next level of that this That is your goal, to be next to Vial. <laughs> Okay, look, I'm not <laughs> saying that's my... To the vile name. <laughs> I'm not saying that's my express goal, but I want to see mm-hmm. our name next to the vile files. That would be fantastic. So... I would if, love an award. Oh, well, personally. maybe we'd win. Maybe we'd win. It's possible. But mm-hmm. first, we have to get through this first round of nominations to get into the official contest. So... If you can help us out with any of these things, we will greatly appreciate it because we are trying to take the pit to the next level. We are actively in that phase of growth. We want the pit to swallow the world, and we need your help to make that happen. <laughs> but now. Now, the end of business time. Game time, baby. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. What does this episode start with, Clues? Well, this episode starts with a promo, like they all have this week, and the voiceover guy, who we still don't know who the fuck this guy is, but it is not DLH, he says, this week on The Bachelorette, and we see an art exhibit with vagina flowers, we see a rainstorm with Grippo, some making out, we see Andrew S. says he's falling for her, Grippo's eating her gum, Blake says he needs a one-on-one, we see Grippo playing football and making out in the end zone, and we see Blake saying he's not in love with her before Katie runs through the hall in Hooju's Andrew. It's basically a cut down of the entire episode, they've given away everything that mm. happens in this episode right in the promo, no mystery whatsoever. 
luckily I think I skipped that somehow. Because <laughs> I was like, the first image is a ladder. <laughs> the first image was actually a sunrise. The second image is a ladder. They were sharing the first image. Yeah. But right after look, each other. I know that you've been on the ladder tip for this entire season, uh-huh. and it's taken me a little while to get there, but I'm fucking there. Stop. You saw a ladder? Finally. I saw so many ladders. I saw ladders and fences. <laughs> I'm keeping track of both of them simultaneously now, and in my head, I'm like, what does the ladder mean? What does the fence mean? Why are there both? The guys are in front of some of these ladders chatting about the Red Wedding episode last week. And they discuss hometowns coming up. They discuss how Brendan and Mikey P are the only two who have not had one-on-ones. Meanwhile, Thurston is with the Ultimate Girl Gang. And then Katie says she feels good about the final seven and she's excited about going into this week. It feels like a fresh start. And then she says, but I don't know who my final four are. I feel like this is a lie the producers are making her say here. I think she absolutely knows who her final four are at this point. And she says she has strong feelings about some of them, but there are two guys she's had no time with. And she doesn't know if she should use these final dates to give those guys a chance or to keep building relationships with guys she already has feelings for. And then back at the house, Blake lays out the importance of the one-on-one in the game itself. This is pure game speech here. He says, without a one-on-one, you can't progress. He doesn't say this phrase in the game, but it's implied. It's like a Chinese fortune cookie where you're like, you crack it open, you read the fortune, you say, in bed. You add it on to the end and it makes sense. This is exactly the same. Much of the (laughs) gameplay speech in this entire episode, you just put on in the game at the end of it and it makes perfect sense. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's a helpful tip, Clues. Thank Thank you. you. And then Brendan in this scene gets his first dialogue the entire season. He says, I hope I get the one-on-one. <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute. Who the fuck is this guy again? Uh, but Grippo gets the first one-on-one date. He acts surprised, even though Hunter predicted this last week. He said, I think you're going to get two. Hunter was right. I just recall, not that long ago, seeing guys get group dates like on Hannah Brown's season. When that group date card would get read, these guys would be fist bumping, going, hey, all right, doing little dances and shit. People were excited about this. And when people got one-on-ones, it was like some guys would get pissed. Other guys would be like, congratulations, man. Good luck. Good luck. This is some weirder shit. Greg Grippo here has to fake humility. Like, oh, I I really didn't think I'd get this. And I know he plays shy style. I know this may be a part of that. Mm -hmm. But this whole season has had this weird air around people getting one-on-one dates where they have to fake like, oh, God, I'm so sorry I got the one-on-one guys. And all the guys have to be like, no, no, you deserve it. You deserve it. It's such a strange (laughs) tone. The whole idea of deserving the one-on-one date, and they say this again when Mikey P gets it. They're like, Michael's like, no one deserves it more than Mikey P. What? What does that mean? The other guys don't deserve it? I think then they clarify and say, oh, not that you don't, but... But it also conveys a little bit of professional era understanding of the game. When they're saying, like, you deserve it, I don't think they're saying, like, oh, Katie selected you, and you deserve to have that selection. It's like, 
the producers selected you. They understand that. And I think it's like you've conveyed for TRR. You haven't been a dick to yeah. us. You've played a good second audience game. You deserve to have the opportunity of a one-on-one day to get the screen time and see what you can do with your first audience game. You deserve a chance, basically, is what they're saying. Not that you yeah. deserve progress in the relationship. It, it is the implied gameplay speech. And I think what we're really seeing this season is a pretty drastic shift to almost all of the speech has some at least little tinge of implied gameplay speech, if not outright fucking speech. I mean, shit. At the end of this, Blake says he's jealous of Grippo, and he says, how Mm -hmm. can I get that? How can I make up what Greg is going to have today? That's pure gameplay speech. Pure. He says he can't see the connection being that strong with someone else, but Grippo could get there. So he is future casting for wh- how, what level Grippo can get to with the second one-on-one date. Phenomenal. And it's, it's clear understanding of the game of time, which Anna Redmond so eloquently stated in season 25, that if you have two one-on-ones, you're going to have more one-on-one time than anyone else in the game at this point. So, of course, that's going to be a gigantic advantage. And here, uh, Blake Moynes is basically just outright stating it that in the game grippo is now elevated because he has this extra opportunity andrew s even says grippo is consistently in her top whatever and it's dangerous that he's getting a second one-on-one dangerous where's the fucking danger is somebody gonna die as a result of this someone gonna be injured or maimed the forced violence is over the group dates are over now so the danger he's talking about here is danger to his gameplay. Danger to the other player's mm-hmm. gameplay, maybe. That he's going to become so dominant with the sexual one-on-one time, it's not even worth playing the game anymore. And it's kind of not. Sorry, Andrew Russ. Grippo starts this one-on-one date with his second matching outfit. He and Thurston were wearing matching outfits on their first one-on-one. They're wearing matching outfits again. Tan green. This almost made me just be like, I don't know if I could keep watching this episode. The producers are fucking hammering us with this shit now. They've always got matching outfits. It's like you can just feel the producers pulling the strings on fucking everything in this date. They are setting up Greg Grippo to either take that ring or have the biggest fucking fall we've ever seen. They're putting in these things. It's like, he's the one. He's the one. Look, they match. Mm -hmm. Everything's going good. He's got two one-on-one dates. Something bad's going to happen to Grippo. I have that feeling. (laughs) I have that feeling, too, and I feel like they're setting up Blake as this underdog who's going to come in and be like, Mm. and I thought it was Greg the whole time, but then Blake snuck up on me. That's my prediction. Totally. Well, the thing is, though, Grippo is not, he's not using a good escalation game. We'll get to their one-on-one date. I mean, we're in it now, and we'll get to what he said and stuff and how he raised love levels and everything. He's not really escalating. He's maintaining, no. and he's sprinkling, sprinkling in a little bit of fear. Maybe I'll leave, but that's it. Moines is fucking structured in his play style. He came in with a fucking agenda, and he's executing it, and it involves putting up walls, lowering them, fucking raising love levels at the appropriate time. He's got, like, everything really working in his game, whereas Grippo is more of an all-eggs-one-basket-shy style player, in my opinion. Grippo talked about his game as if he had escalated this episode, but he only loved level three, and he had already loved level three, Grippo. Exactly. I'm sorry. 
No movement. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So All right. yeah. they meet each other on this fucking path and they're fucking matching outfits. And uh, Katie Thurston performs a hooju. <laughs> I don't know what my face looked like there, but that probably face crazy. Was haunting. <laughs> that face should have been so, black boxed out. <laughs> okay. So Not I just fit for my listen, eyes. <laughs> I wrote a little something about this hooju as I was watching it. Because oh, I thought it was important. All right. So the producers give her a relatively short runway here, but it doesn't fucking matter. We saw her do two hoojus in one one-on-one day in season 25. We've seen her do multiple hoojus already this season. She had more hoojus in season 25 than any other player, and she was eliminated in 11th place. So we know <laughs> Katie Thurston is a fan of, a proponent of, a player of the sub-game of the hooju. And here, we are not disappointed. Even though she only gets five steps in this approach, she generates enough momentum for her legs to clear Grippo's hips, her arms clear Grippo's shoulders, she vaults into a picture-perfect high mount complete with double ankle lock and a hand lock around one of her elbows that allows her to rain down kisses on Grippo from this elevated position. The producers do not give us the dismount footage, but we do see them walking away with arms around each other. It is very likely, in my opinion, that physical contact was never broken. This is a high-level hooju. I'm giving it a 9.6, only because we didn't get the dismount footage. That's correct. And the approach was a little (laughs) short, but still very effective. I just think Katie Thurston has elevated the hooju game in volume, and now what we see her doing here, this shit is like, when she first did her first hoojus in season 25, it, the first one was on that group date, the wedding group date, if you remember. Yeah. When, they're not wedding. Where they're all out in the forest dressed in her bridesmaids' kid. outfits. Yeah. She got in a decent hooju. I forget what I rated it. Eight point something, seven point something maybe. Progressively, her scores have gotten higher and higher with practice. And now that she's basically doing mm-hmm. them anytime she sees a man, they're, I mean, this was a <laughs> fucking expert level hooju. And we're going to see some more later that are also fucking fantastic. Clues. What if she is now addicted to hoojuing and she can't stop? And now literally every time she sees a man, she hoojus. I would say congratulations. That's a great life. I would say congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Michael, by the way, is loading some hometown-esque walls about can Katie take care of can Katie, like, take care of my kid? Is she going to be okay that I take care of my in-laws? Can't go into hometowns with all these questions floating in the air. So we're also going to be watching that story. And the final shot of the first portion is Gregory Grippo and Katie Thurston making out against a fence. We opened with a ladder. We closed with a fence. What are they telling us? I don't expect an answer. I just expect some deep thought. I'm just thought. so glad. I'm just so glad that you finally saw a ladder. I feel so vindicated because I was like, I'm going crazy. There's hundreds of thousands of ladders in every episode. I don't know how you could not see them, especially when you're looking for fences, which are basically just sideways ladders. Yeah. No, I saw them all. I saw them in this episode for sure. They're there. Finally. Portion number two begins. 
a hawk screeches past the sky. And this hawk was not my creature of the week. No, it wasn't mine. But I did appreciate the screeching. Grippo's getting some kisses in. Katie's loading love level one for Grippo. And she tells him, today I thought I'd show you a piece of home. It's Katie's Place Market, which is made out to be like Pike Place Market in Seattle. There's fake fish. There's a flower stand. Wait, were those fish fake? Wait, were they real? I don't know. I thought that they were real dead fish. I don't think so. I feel like real dead fish are like messier than that. And these it had a rubbery uniform oh. vibe to me, but I don't know. I don't either. We may never know. I feel like, I don't know. I've never thrown a big fish, but I feel like if it fell, it would splatter. Yeah. And he was swinging that one around by the tail like a hammer throw. So, and I, I feel, feel like it would have come apart. Yeah. You're yeah, right. Too They're probably fake. They're probably in fake. their throws. Um, but they do fish play. Grippo comes up with a fear of the fish. Scared because it's flopping. So shy. The shyest of styles. <laughs> he throws a fish and it breaks a light. They laugh. They open up oysters and feed each other. Food play. Katie's spitting it out in a plant. They make each other flower bouquets. Kissing. And then they emerge from Katie's place out onto a fucking football field with a sign that says Katie's kickoff. Now, if you don't think the NFL and The Bachelor are the same thing, I would point you to this, what we just witnessed. The producers have literally constructed a miniature grass football field in the middle of the arid New Mexican desert by rolling out sod and spray painting fucking yardage markers on it and putting field goals into it. it. That field wasn't there? Fuck no! They just got a football field, a weird little miniature football field? That was totally made by the producers. Hundred fucking percent. I've been tricked again. Literally just to get some football into the show. Somewhere, some way, somehow. We're out in the middle of and fucking New Mexico. how did the football have to do with Seattle? She said football's big in Seattle. It's like, well, yep, it is in every major market city. They all have football teams. It's like, what? Uh, That's funny. They blow bubble gum at each other because I know that gum wall is a real, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think they made that gum wall? Do you think that gum wall was there? No, that's made. All this shit was made up. I know. I just, we've just already seen this shit. Like <laughs> this is the same kind of fucking date happened on. Um, was that in Tasha's season? Who was it? That- this reminded me of the hometowns of the Tasha hometowns with the fake taxi cab and stuff. But it's weird because you would think this would happen during her hometown, which would traditionally be like the finals. But didn't Tasha do this on her season too, and take the guys into some room that had shit from her hometown? Am I? conjuring something that she didn't happen had, there was one where they were like oh we're at the beach and there was a sunglass stand around the pool oh, god these bubble <laughs> seasons just like i need them to be over i can't watch these recycled dates it's just so boring back at the house brendan and andrew spencer talk about the importance of one-on-ones while they're in the hot tub back on the date 
Grippo likes that they keep doing things that hit home for her. She tells him that she was excited to see him, that she get, gets awkward and giddy. And he says, you make me a nervous wreck. I feel like I'm in high school. Katie issues a how you doing. He says it's been a roller coaster. But the validating she's given him has meant a lot. And you can kind of feel the producers here. That when they take him away and do the ITMs, they're telling him essentially what to say in these conversations. Like, what we need you to do is say that it's like been hard for you, but she's getting you through it. And that's true, right? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And then he goes out there and he has this kind of like preloaded script that this is going to be the obstacle that she's going to have to overcome. He's having a hard time. And we're going to obviously get to his PTCs a little bit later in the date. But all of this shit is very heavily pushed by the producers uh, he tells her he hasn't introduced someone to his mom in a long time she says would you be ready for it and he says yeah portion number three we get a facetime between michael alio and his child he's saying i want to squeeze that face read you books and snuggle ya and he itms that he's losing it but he says that he can't be anybody back home if he's not happy. I mean, is it, does it get more for TRR than this? This is the benefit of a package deal, these FaceTimes. Yeah, he's making strong, strong plays here. He had a lot of great face play in this FaceTime with his child. And this portion, or this little segment ends with a shot of a ladder. I don't know if you saw that. I know. Yeah, I did. I wrote it down. <laughs> I was like, I've talked about ladders too much. <laughs> It's my turn now. (laughs) And then (laughs) night falls. What do we see next? Clues. What's on the wall? Yeah. (laughs) You're like, did you see it it at this point? (laughs) Yeah. Tell me you saw it. Oh my God. I have people messaging me about the ladders, by the way, now. I'm getting a lot of ladder updates. Yeah. That's fantastic. (laughs) And then as night falls. Uh, Greg Grippo and Katie Thurston are having their dinner. They laugh about the fish slapping their faces. They laugh about playing football. And Katie brings up that she's scared Grippo's going to leave. We have no indication that that was ever his intent. And we don't know why she's saying this other than producers have probably filled both of their heads with this as a possible plot point. And then we get a few PTCs here from Grippo. He says coming into this environment is hard for him to not feel insecure. He PTCs his sister bullying him about his shy style and other kids bullying him at school. He says in some sense, that kind of stuff shapes the relationships that you form as an adult, especially since his dad died, another PTC here. And he says that he has walls, but in this process, he has had some weak moments and been scared, but she's been the strongest person he's ever met and she's been incredible during this. And he feels like the luckiest guy in the world She amazes him in every way, and he says, if we move forward, he's excited next week to show his family the girl he's falling in love with. This is LL3, which, as we already said, he did last week. This is no movement. This is, uh, I mean, you have to re-up it, obviously. You're about to go into hometowns. You have to hit some love level here, but it's a, a stagnation for Grippo. But maybe it's like a magician's trick he's doing. He says it with the vibe, like he's upping his love level. So Katie goes with it. She says it makes her really happy to feel. She, it's crazy to feel this pull, the gravity that tugs me towards you. And honestly, I think that that was a really great way that he 
played his walls. He's like, I've had these walls from all of these bad things that have happened to me, but you're bringing them down specifically. And then she ITMs that she needed to hear that. She needed the love level three for her to get clarity yeah. with Greg. But I'm like, he literally said it last week. That's why I think all of this is producer manufactured. They need some story for him on this one-on-one to make mm-hmm. it seem like, oh shit, he might go home when we all know that that is not the case. And so they've laid this in that it's like, well, you're going to say that you're scared he might leave. And he's going to say he's, this process is fucking him up a little bit. And then, oh, but he did say he's falling in love with you. It's like, yeah, we already saw that. Even this date is a rehash of something that happened just an episode prior. No, I mean, that's the whole show. We're tracking these love levels. (laughs) We are. That's the game. Part of this game is navigating your love levels, using them at the proper times to get the maximum value out of them. And it's like, it kind of invalidates the game to some degree that he's just like, oh, I'll just do it again. He already was like in hometowns in episode two, probably, you know? And they have to make yeah. it seem like she still needs to figure shit out, which is all a lie. I, something I did like about this week is you just have the straight-up dichotomy of how players are approaching this conversation. Grippo being like, I want my mom to meet the person I'm falling in love with if you'll have me. And then Blake mm. Moines is like, my mom's going to like you. <laughs> That's the difference between shy style and bold style. And we're going to see those things go head-to-head now as we move into the playoffs. But here at the end of the date... Grippo does get that one-on-one rose. He gets a kiss, and she ITM. She's falling in love with him. That's a love level three load, even though she already love level three to him last week, too. They walk outside for some fake rain, and they run into that rain, and they kiss one another. That rain was fake? Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, they don't have the power to command weather yet. Uh, <laughs> and then Grippo ITMs that he thinks he's found the love of his life. I would consider that to be a loading of level level four. And Katie yes. Future casts walking away with Greg, getting married, and having kids in an ITM of her own. And that rounds out portion three. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Portion four begins with a dark bird on a tree. And we get the group date card. It is Justin, Andrews, Blake Moines, Michael Alio, and Brendan. There is an art to love. And this is where Alio says, I'm really excited for Mike. No one is more deserving. Brandon. Like, what? I I just, like, okay, let's just break this down. Why would he say that? No one is more deserving. I think it's because Mike P is a good guy. He has good morals. For TRR. For TRR. His game is good. Virgin. Good style. And he hasn't really had a chance to play the game. 
And that's basically, mm-hmm. I think, what Michael Oley was saying here. Finally, you're going to get a chance up at the plate. You're going to see if you can hit a home run. And Brendan, meanwhile, says, why am I still here? Fuck me. Leaves the group. And he runs without missing a beat to do a knock-knock. And this knock-knock by Brendan was my... Error, 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 error of the game. We'll get to what happens in this conversation, but you never self-eliminate, and you definitely never self-eliminate when you're already scheduled for a date. He could have had a whole group date's worth of play. He could have auditioned for Paradise. He could have played up his dynamic duo with Blake Moynes on the art date. They could have painted each other's faces in a cute way, made some memes together. I mean... This is just the worst play you could have made in this moment. It was not my error of the game because I have one a little bit later that was like a kind of unique, exotic opportunity that was blown. This was just a bonehead <laughs> well, exotic maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, because certain <laughs> opportunities present themselves to players mm-hmm. in our beloved game, and it's like you have to be very conscious of them in order to capitalize sometimes, and a little bit later, a player just fucking doesn't even see the opportunity presented mm-hmm. to him. Here, this it. is just somebody making a horrible, horrible decision, the absolute wrong yeah. thing to do. <laughs> He tells Katie, he, this is your journey, but I have emotions as well. I'm the only guy right now without a one-on-one. If we had, what if we had a whole day together? My family would love you. Then says, I, tomorrow I wouldn't have had time on the group date to do that. And it's like, you would have, but okay. And Katie stops him, says she liked that he was bold and intentional, gone out of his way to make her feel special. But because of hometown, she doesn't know that they could get there. Doesn't think it would be right to make him go through that. Yeah, it's just so strange that you would ever do this. Anything can happen on a group date. Anything can happen at an after party. Maybe there's a forced violence element. Maybe two guys get sent to the hospital, and that's it. They're gone. You're in. You have no idea. But yeah. the the bottom line here is Brennan Maybe he didn't... could have made an art of like hockey sticks coming out of a vagina. Who knows what we could have seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the bottom line here is Brennan just didn't understand his role. He's a floater. And... He, he made it almost to the end of where you can float, the, the final game of regular season. But he still had more screen time to get out of this. He could have done some more valuable play in that group date, and maybe he would have made it to hometowns. You don't know. I feel like him and Justin are kind of like interchangeable-ish. I know Justin had a one-on-one, but like mm-hmm. he's got a floater vibe too a little bit, you know? He floated through the one-on-one. <laughs> he kind of did. Like He made no interesting play, no strong play, and just got a rose. I feel like Brendan could have done something similar here, but, you know, this was just, it was not his best showing, and unfortunately, it was his only showing. The only play we got to see him make was an error. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, hugs a shirtless Blake Moyne, who love level fours him. So we know Moines has the words in his vocabulary to love level four. Foreshadowing. And Brennan gets no real exit speech, and then the final shot of this portion is Katie feigning concern back in her room. And then portion five begins (laughs) with a shot outside. (laughs) And sometimes when you're outside, you see creatures, and indeed that's the case here. 
we see <laughs> a deer strutting his stuff. This deer jumped a fucking fence to get into the resort to be closer to the players. This deer was, of course, my... Creature of the Week. Anytime you see an athlete putting on a display, whether it's in our beloved game, whether it's in a game like football or baseball, or whether it's this deer performing a high-level track and field event, the fence jump, I have to give props to that creature, be it human or deer. So thank you, deer, for giving me this athletic display. Honestly, I was so happy for you when I saw this creature. I was like, this is going to make clues this night. I was like, is this deer performing an homage to Colton Underwood, perhaps? Oh, maybe. The deer's a fan of our beloved game. Mm-hmm. He knows that was a big moment. <laughs> when they have viewing parties in the lobby of the Tamaya Resort, that deer is like face pressed against the window just watching, watching all the people inside watch The Bachelor. <laughs> it's like i'm gonna get on that show one day the deer had aspirations of being yeah. a great player and this is as close as he'll ever get moines tells everyone that brendan was eliminated and now the group date is going to be a three-on-one of alio andrew spencer versus justin and we begin the group date katie welcomes them to an art exhibit and there are a bunch of paintings that look like vaginas and we get a lot of humor. This, okay. Where do we begin? How do we even begin to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, here's the thing. Uh, let's just start, before we get into who shows up and who this artist is and all this stuff, let's just talk about the images themselves. Some of them mm-hmm. are pieces of art made by an artist that we're going to meet in a second. Some of them are just photographs of things like roses literally with like water dripping off the petals. So it's just this weird hodgepodge of vaginal floral imagery, some of which is art made by this artist, some of which is just, I guess, clip art that producers found online and had FedEx Kinkos print them out on these boards. They weren't all her paintings? No. Oh, no, they didn't have enough paintings. They realized that they had to be like clamor to get some like filler paintings. I'm not sure. Or I've been now on this artist's uh, Instagram page. Some of them are like very clearly vaginas. Like they're not floral at what all. What is the so, handle? Well, we'll get to it. Let's get to it. Let's okay. get to what, what happens here. and We'll get into who she is. But I just wanted to make a note of the fact that like, Whoever's producing this segment, whoever had to come up with these fucking images, some of them look like Georgia O'Keeffe paintings that they had just kind of like photoshopped a little bit, like done a mirror treatment on so that it would be, Mm. uh, you know, they wouldn't get in trouble with the license of that image. I don't know if that's true. That's what it looked like to Mm. me. But the guys come in, they see all this stuff, and uh, Katie asks the guys what they see. They're all stumbling over their words. Oh, oh. I, I don't know. And then... Anyone else care to chime in? Yeah. And then a person materializes seemingly from nowhere. Dark Lord Harrison style. This person is Jacqueline Secor. She has 16.6 thousand followers on Instagram. 
she it is her instagram is jacqueline secor art if you want to check it out she has some very cool art actually and jacqueline secor was my jorge 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 moreno bystander of the week She asks these fucking guys what they see in her work. And Blake Moyne says, it's a little messy and the color is aggressive. And she goes, that's a (laughs) (laughs) self-portrait. So in this fucking moment, not only does Blake Moynes and all the other players have to realize Moynes has just insulted her work. They also have to realize they are looking at artistic renderings of this woman's vagina made by her own hand. It is the most awkward mm-hmm. and bizarre moment ever. Katie Thurston is laughing at them. Everybody gets I a, like it. A, it's a good prank. <laughs> totally. I, as far as like artistic group dates go, this was uh, one of the most entertaining ones that I have seen in a very long time. But then, quickly, it falls right into rehashing an old group date that we literally saw one season ago when Miss Secor tells them that today all the guys are going to have to create a work of art, sensual and thought-provoking. This is an exact repeat of a date Blake Moynes himself was on in season 16 in which he made the clay penis that they had to black box. This is again... Famous clay penis. It's super famous, I think. To me it is. But this is again like just super lazy producing. They, they literally just did this with the same fucking player. So they all sit down. Some guys are painting. Michael Olio has some clay. We see that Blake Moynes is painting. And this was my... Error, 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 error of the game. This is what, what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. This is an exotic, unique chance for Blake Moynes to repeat his exact same performance, to make another clay penis and deliver the exact same (laughs) speech that he delivered almost verbatim. And he didn't fucking do it. That would have been historic. And it would have laid bare. It's a total fucking missed opportunity. It would have exposed the show, the producers, for being lazy. And, like, this is the exact same thing that fucking happened. He had this opportunity. And I guarantee you, when he saw that block of clay come out, it went through his fucking mind. And instead, he chose to make the painting that he made, which we also didn't get to see. At least he did two black box pieces of art in a row. At least he did that. What if he did another clay penis, and then the producers were like, you can't do that to us. And then they made him make his art. Stop me. Which, by the way... This art is very confusing. At first, I was like, he's making a painting that's all black, but then later, he's holding it up and explaining it, and it's completely black boxed. Yes. He made what is a, his art? I believe he made a not safe for network television image of semen. That is my belief based on what <laughs> he said and based on the fact that the mm. entire painting is black boxed by the producers. But we'll, we'll get to it here in a second. We see them all making their art. Andrew S. gets a kiss in front of everyone. That shit was insane to me. And I was like, powerful. oh, very powerful. I, I thought it was going to be a different outcome for him this game because of that. Mm-hmm. 
I like that he tells Alio to stop cheating and looking at his painting as if that's going to give him a leg up. <laughs> yeah. But then the guys ultimately have to reveal their artworks, and this is not the symphony of PTCs that we saw on this exact same date in the season prior. It's, it's kind of a more lighthearted, jokey version of it. Justin has kind of a Basquiat-style rendering of the turmoil and joy he's experienced in the process. Andrew S. has created can, a painting. Justin can, Justin can only draw roses, it turns out. The rest of the stuff is just bad. <laughs> maybe, maybe he just, just spent all time. his time on the rose and then yeah. ran out of time. It's probably that. He yeah. seemed like a decent artist. And then Andrew S. has created a painting he calls Sushi, which is a person just eating sushi, I guess. I, I mean, <laughs> all right. And then it symbolized Blake... how they were foodies, clues. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Sorry. And then Blake reveals his painting that is black box, and he gives this speech about people being the only animals that can do this one thing on a daily basis, and it's how life is formed. It's vague, but I think he's talking about ejaculation or something. It might have been a dick ejaculation. I thought he was. I thought he was talking about a vagina giving birth. Maybe it's that. But he says you can do it once a day. But I thought it was like daily, like there are people giving birth everywhere. I don't you think know. He, he drew a picture of a person jerking off? He made a clay penis less than a year ago on the same show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I that's think that's art. possible. The ejaculation is another <laughs> level. Although he. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Look, we may never know. We what may never know. What if it was just know. a thousand ladders and they just didn't want us to know? Yeah, it was just a picture of a ladder. It's like, you can't give away the code. <laughs> well, whatever he fucking painted on this thing, uh, we're never going to be able to see yeah. it. But they head into the after party and portion six begins. They all show up at the after party. The group date rose is on its platter. And Katie says that the group date rose means she meets a family. So cheers to clarity. And we're getting clarity, 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 clarity. At this point in the game, Clarity is the name of the game, at least for the lead. And Blake gets that first responder. He just pulls her right from the fucking get, and he's confident that he's going to get a hometown. He says he's not in love with her yet, but he's on that path, and he can feel it happening. He knows it. So he's future casting to her, but he's also using this as a moment to be for TRR. It's, it's like an anti-love level. At this point, you're expecting a love level, and he's like, I'm going to get there, but I'm not there yet, and I have to be honest. And if you rely yeah. on honesty as a basis for some play like this, it only conveys for TRR. It's like a counterplay, you know, which I thought was actually pretty good. I am suspect whenever anybody says I'm not lying to you, so I didn't think it was a masterful play, but it's working for Moines. I did like I did enjoy the future casting of being like my mom's going to love you, being like I'm gonna be here. Totally. And then Katie has an ITM where she says she doesn't know if Blake can catch up to where she is with some of the other relationships, and you know that that's a producer scripted line. Of course, she doesn't feel that way at all. Like it's not even remotely a part of how she feels about Blake Moines, but the producers force her to say it so that there will be some suspense for us, the fourth audience. Will he stay or will he go home? Yeah, she's already said that she thinks he's the most like her. Justin Kringles her a painting of some butterflies and says that butterflies have taken on a new meaning for him. 
as Katie has helped him grow and evolve from being in a cocoon of feelings to breaking free, feeling like it's okay to release my feelings. I enjoyed that this butterfly is representing his walls coming down. When did he make this painting? I don't know. And I remember I gave him... I think I gave him an award for that first Kringle he did of that painting. And he said, I'm going to keep yeah. painting this as the journey continues. And I'm like, did they take that from him? Why aren't we seeing that play out? Because I think we're going to see it in hometowns. That is an interesting type of a Kringle to do. To insert something very early on in the beginning of the season and be like, I'm going to keep adding to this or whatever it may be. It could be a song, a poem. It doesn't even have to be artistic. Yeah. It could be any little thing because it's going to help you gauge where you are in the game. You can keep going to the producer and be like, oh, I want to give her this painting now. And they're like, no, 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 hold off, hold off on that. You know that you're going to be around for at least another round if they're making you not give it to her, you know? Mm. Yeah, I really wanted to see that play out. But just like the week off, whack off, it's never paid off. Katie tells him, you were my first kiss, bold from the moment I met you. I feel myself 110% with you, dorky and weird. Kiss. Then Michael Alio gets one-on-one time. Katie says, how you doing? Is hometown something you're ready for? She says, I don't want us to force something we're not ready for. But in the end, if, if it's us in the end, that's all that matters, and we'll figure it out as we go. I'll get the juice boxes and the condiments, which has unlocked a secret code word for Olio. He says, I need the help. And she says, I, the life I picture with us and with James is such a dream. He says, it sounds like you're so ready and giving it a lot of thought. And she says, half of her roses are going to James. She's ultimately, ultimately looking to be in love. Everything else will fall into place. Olio. No one can love you like I can. What a kiss lead in line. <laughs> Shit. That's like, that's an intense fucking thing to tell someone. Have you ever said that to someone? <laughs> nah. It's, uh, it's a little psychopathic. <laughs> yeah, I did tell Squirrelius that. She did not understand me. The only people that I tell it to are non-humans who cannot understand English. But I think the code word that she unlocked here when she's talking about juice boxes and condiments is mommy. Michael Olio's looking for a mom for his kid. And when she's like, I'll go get the fucking Mm -hmm. juice boxes, he's like, perfect. I just needed to know that about you. Are you ready to basically be a mom to my kid fucking immediately? Because that's what a package deal is. Instant family. Yeah. And she's basically saying that she thought about all these things that he was worried about before he can even ask them. And he says, we'll figure them out. Love is the only thing that matters in this ITM. Continuous for TRR ITMs from Alio. And then Andrew Russ gets some one-on-one time. He talks about having had football in his life forever. And he says, every athlete dies twice. When you actually die a physical death, your mortal coil is shuffled off. And then, of course, when you stop playing. There's an empty void you have, he says. Now, I know this to be true. I played baseball somewhat competitively all through high school, and then I even played in an adult league until I was in my late 30s, and nagging injuries became too cumbersome to really keep doing it. And I remember my last game. I remember driving home from that game, and this is just like a rec league thing. Me and a bunch of dudes like pay money to play in it, but it had umpires, and we played on baseball fields, and it was like we had ex-college players, a couple ex-AAA guys in this league, 
So it was like a decent level of competition. And I remember the last game, coming home from it and just being like, fuck, I'm never going to play baseball again. I have done it literally at least once a week my entire life, basically, you know? And it, it is a weird mm. thing to like not do it ever again. And this had special implications because he's saying it in the context of another pro- professional sport, The Bachelor. So not only is he talking about football here, he's giving you some insight into why so many players can't quit The Fucking Bachelor, into why when you listen to The Vial Files, Nick Vial's reliving his fucking glory days in every episode. He finds some way to get back to when he was playing because there is a void mm-hmm. in him that can never fucking be filled. Or... That's how he gets, that's what his audience is. That's how he gets the engagement. You think he's doing it for engagement? You listen to the Vial Files and you tell me if there is not a longing in his voice when he talks about all of his glory days. I don't think he can help that shit. It's just coming out of him. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Andrew S. plays the rest of this one on one time pretty good. He says he's willing to give up football for her, basically, and be done with it if that's where their relationship goes. And he's scared, and she gives a similar answer to him. We're always going to have uh-huh. obstacles, but we will figure it out, and they get a kiss. She's kind of falling back on this. Figure it out. Figure it out. Which, because we know what happens to Andrew S. at the end of this episode, makes me think Michael Olio ain't long for this world. It seems like we'll figure Ooh. it out. It's her stock answer for there's no way I'm going to wind up with you. But after this kiss, he takes her out to a fucking mini one-on-one with lights hanging down. And this mini one-on-one with the lights that's reprising their one-on-one date was my... Play, 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 play of the game. This fucking guy. All these other dudes come in. They're like, here, uh, this, I'm saying these things. I made a painting for you. You better get the juice boxes for my kids. Andrew now S. ain't doing none Mario, of that you... shit. He's like, let me show you how this is done. Better get those juice boxes. <laughs> Up with empty hands. Yeah. Where's the fucking juice boxes? Andrew S. has set up this fucking thing with producer help. He's got the mm-hmm. Christmas lights hanging down. He's fucking affixed a little card to the ceiling that he has to lift her up so she can pull it down and read it. Just like their fucking one-on-one date. She reads it. It says, I'm falling for you. This is an LL3 committed to paper. That is a contract. It is legal and valid. He gets the kiss. It's fucking incredible what this guy did in what we're going to find out is his swan song. But in terms of plays that were made over the course of tonight's game, there's only one other one also made by Andrew S. Mm -hmm. that was even in my running. This shit was fucking insane what he was able to do because it worked on the first audience. Second audience doesn't even know about it. So unbeknownst to them, it worked against them. Third audience had to help him and we fucking love it. Fourth audience eats it up. This play was fucking fantastic. It just, it stood out so much bigger and better than anything anyone else did on this group date. It was beautiful. It was poetic. It was getting her Huju adjacent, which he knows she likes. 
But there was one play that surpassed it in my mind. But this was, it was gorgeous. It it literally set up a devastating heartbreak edit, which we will get to. But And this play set up the play you're talking about, okay. which is why I kind of <laughs> wanted to lean on this too. With the card, the motif yeah. of, I'm going to give you a card that says a little something mm-hmm. on it. You know, we get ready Describe. for that. But Katie comes back and she returns to the couch with a group of men that she refers to as her core four. I'll leave that there. Andrew gets a mention. Michael A. gets a mention. Blake gets a mention. Justin gets a mention. This is a full house of mentions. Everybody's getting told how good Mm -hmm. they played. But Michael A. gets the group date rose. And Andrew ITM's not feeling good about the night. He doesn't want to put so much into it and have it all be for nothing. I mean, this is a benefit of a package deal if you're at this point in the game. You have to commit somewhat to be like, let me meet your kid. I don't know if she's going to meet his kid, but to take you away from your family or make me meet your family, you have to be putting something else on the table in return, and that's what I feel like Thurston is doing here. And... Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. This episode is brought to you by HP. Whenever you do your best thinking, the HP Spectre X360 is ready when inspiration strikes. With power saved for battery life and focus mode to multitask, you can do your best thinking whenever and wherever it happens. You can't always schedule when and where you might have a brilliant thought, whether it's in the morning or before bed, when you're at your computer or away from it. Thinking can happen anywhere and anytime. The HP Spectre X360 2-in-1 Convertible PC with Windows 10 saves battery life for whenever an idea hits you. HP Spectre X360, a more thoughtful laptop. We open portion 7 with a thousand, maybe a million birds. A swarm ready to eat the carcasses of the round of seven. And these birds were my... (laughs) Creature of the week. I think they were geese. They... I don't know. The geese are birds. Yeah. Geese are birds. I feel like they were like dark colored silhouette. It's hard to say. Oh, maybe. We'll never know. Have you, by the way, seen this thing on the internet that is going around that (laughs) says birds are not real? Have you seen this shit? Clues, that's a very old meme. Right. Well, I just got hip to it on TikTok. Sorry. Uh, Okay. Gosh. Okay. I mean, I feel like that's a meme you would be into from like, you know, a Gen X meme. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you, first of all. I'm sorry. It's probably a millennial one. I've just been seeing it recently going around TikTok, yeah. and when I see an episode like tonight, all of the creatures pretty much except that deer were, and there was also a bug in Katie Thurston's hair. Other than those creatures, every creature was a bird, and I'm just like, how much of this show is real? Are birds real? 
I do always laugh at the R Birds real memes. I do too. Anyway. <laughs> After the swarm of creatures, Andrew sums up the group date to Grippo and Mikey. And Andrew and Mikey fight about what is the most important week. Grippo fist bumps Mikey to get ready for his date. And we see a bunch of turkeys. More birds. Do you think birds are real? Yes, I do. I do too. Um, but I do can too, we just real quick hit on them discussing what's the most important week? You want to talk about professional era? You want to talk about open gameplay speech? You got two fucking players saying, I think the last round of regular season is the most important. And then you got another one saying, no, the first round of playoffs is the most important. They're both wrong. It's actually the second round of playoffs. Fantasy Suites is the most important week, at least in Bachelor data, because for The Bachelor, that is the week where the most crowns have been crowned. The player that goes out in third place is statistically most likely to be The Bachelorette of the following season. So Fantasy Suites is actually the most important of all rounds of the game. I would say that the round of six is the most important week because the final four statistically have way more Instagram followers than anyone else, and they're your guaranteed paradise. Yeah, that's true. I'm Except just saying for, if- um, Renee, wasn't she the only one in the <laughs> final four who didn't go to paradise? Yes. The single mother from... The shoulder to cry on from Juan Pablo's Juan Pablo's season. season, yeah. I mean, yeah, it depends on what your end objective is. If you want final four, Mm -hmm. then round of six is most important. If you want the ring, it's probably the finals is the most important. But if you want that crown, which I would argue is the greatest of all prizes in our beloved game, it's fantasy suites. You want to go out in third place. So ruining your game during fantasy suites is the most important thing. (laughs) If you can ruin it properly, yeah. If you can avoid a villain edit or, or any kind of blame that is warranted in some way to be put on you if you can avoid that and still ruin your game in fantasy suites absolutely do that we get mike p's one-on-one date next and uh katie thurston meets him on a path they leisurely walk up to one another not a hooju in sight just a friendly hug that is not a good sign for mikey p and Katie ITMs that they have an emotional connection, but this date is about a physical connection. She wants to see if that exists. And so they go into the scrub brush of the New Mexican desert, and a mystic guru emerges from behind a tree. This mystic guru, Cuddle Queen Jean, who emerges from behind a tree, was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno. Bystander of the week. Look, I love everything that this woman does, but her entrance of emerging from behind trees was my favorite. I like to think that she was just standing behind a tree for forever. She fucking said, welcome to my home when she came out from behind the tree. Like she lives in these fucking... This weird forest with the just like her little setup that's like a makeshift bed with some pillows and blankets and shit. For those who may be curious, 
Cuddle Queen Jean has an Instagram account. It is Cuddle Sanctuary. She has 1,958 followers and some links to her YouTube page where you can find all of her cuddle information. I have a soft spot in my heart for spirit guides, spirit guide bystanders, and Cuddle Queen Jean did not disappoint. She instructs them that they're, she's a cuddle expert, that they should change into something more comfortable. And Mikey does an ITM, cuddle in the woods, 10 being the most uncomfortable, I'm probably a 10. (laughs) 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 And they change into these all white outfits, like cult members. And Mikey says, I look like a drug lord. Loved that line. And Cuddle Queen Jean instructs them, in my cuddle community, we love cuddle positions and have lots of different names. And she says, we're going to do an oxytocin hug. Directs them to hug. They awkwardly laugh, compliment each other's smells. And then they do one that's called a lap of luxury, where Mikey puts his head on Katie's lap. And Katie says, everything's going to be okay. And they start giving Mikey P a brutal fool's edit. It's like a mama's boy fool's edit. It's just, this is not what you ever want. It's like this. It's Connor B saying, how bad of a kisser am I? You don't ever want to give them that footage because they're going to use it and it's going to be bad. He ITMs, boy, do I love nurturers. She reminds me of my mom. My mom brings a nurturing touch to everything in every situation. As kids, we'd be, I don't know, watching TV, and my mom would be scratching my head. Physical touch is everything to me. (laughs) Katie is a better cuddler than my mom. My mom's going to hate that, but every boy has to move on. You'd never want to refer to yourself as a boy either. It just, it's a rough one. And... Katie straddles Mikey, says, normally I prefer dinner first. You know, she's trying to make this more lighthearted and make it better for him, but it's rough. And he says, the reason why I wait is for a reason. If it were up to me, I'd be humping everything. But it is up to him. (laughs) No, it isn't. I don't know if you've been checking out Mikey P's wardrobe. This is not up to him. Well, his wardrobe is up to him, too. Not the white outfit, but... I don't think any, anything is up to Mikey P. I think every decision he makes in his life is actually, in his mind at least, made by a higher power, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. Katie tells him, I've realized I've been quick to judge people who want to save themselves. You've shown me that that means nothing to someone's personality. And he straight up then tells her... I guess he thinks it went well in the ITM. He's going to say it directly to the first audience. You remind me of my mom taking on other people's feelings. And Katie says, it's a lot. There's good and bad feelings. I related to this a lot. (laughs) Katie. And he says, another 4TRR line. I'd rather have my heart broken 100 times over than break someone's heart. And she goes, oh, geez. Yeah. That was her reaction to that fucking line. She's just like, I'm going to fuck this. Well, I'm glad that you said that because I'm about to break your heart. And then portion eight begins. We see some geese on the banks, some more creatures, some more fowl. And back at the house, Blake thinks Mikey has a huge hurdle and doesn't think he's coming back. 
Andrew S. defends the virginity play, says uh, he's done other stuff, but he's saving himself for marriage. Andrew S. has apparently <laughs> heard his exploits as well. And Blake ITMs that Mikey P. is kind of a by-the-book type of guy, and Katie is not, and those vibes don't line up. Now, in almost every season that there is a virgin, we get one of these moments where other players are talking about that player's virginity and how it's either going to hinder or help or have no effect or have some drastic effect on their gameplay. We cut back to the date. Mikey is still in his drug lord outfit, but now he's sitting on a bench alone. And Katie does her signature breakup move, which is she approaches him already crying. And the way that they cut this too. He ITMs on that bench. Oh, we'll probably have some dinner and paint a picture of what our life would look like together. And as soon as the producers have you saying some shit about, oh, everything's going great, tonight's going to be fantastic, we'll have some dinner, no big deal. As soon as they're telling you to say that, you know they are fucking you. You know you are gone because they're going to cut straight from you saying everything's great to getting dumped to whatever fucking disaster they have in store for you, and that's exactly what happens here. Katie comes out of the woods fucking crying. She cries more than any fucking crown we've ever seen. I also relate to that. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, she does not like to do breakups at dinner. She likes to do them before she eats. <laughs> yeah. And Mikey does another STCO, which is another thing she's pulling out of the players this season where she's breaking up with them and they console her. She's He's like, you're good. She says, don't get me wrong. I had an amazing time. Selfishly, I'm like, I want to meet his fam, get more time. But if I'm being honest, I know I have stronger relationships. It's tough because today would have had to take our relationship to the very top and it didn't. I don't think it would be fair to make you go to a dinner tonight. And he does a pretty good move here. He says, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. No matter the result, my respect for you is never going to change. I know what type of wife you're going to be and what type of mother you're going to be. And one of these guys is really lucky. I'm bummed I don't get to experience life with you, but doesn't mean I'm not going to be rooting for you. Doesn't get more for TRR of an exit than that. No, that's fantastic. And I'm sure we're going to see him on sand. Uh, This was about as good of an exit as you can do in this type of position. Then we see the Grim Reaper coming back to the main room, picks up his bag. Blake says, I'm sure she's shook up right now. He doesn't give a fuck about Mikey P. He's immediately like, how can I turn this to my advantage? What is the strategy here? I must go console her because he's already done that very successfully once. I was surprised he stayed in the room. He wasn't already on a (laughs) knock-knock. He just fucking dives out the window. I'll be right back. Oh, suitcase? Yeah. Uh, I got to go take a shit. I mean, uh, knock-knock. I mean, take a shit. (laughs) And then this is the moment where Katie is by herself out in the woods, and she's ITMing, and she literally says, I know what I signed up for, but that doesn't make this any easier. This is a verbatim Sleucian protocol being announced to all of us. This is straight gameplay speech. This is not even, it's beyond gameplay speech. It's fucking gore speech. This is Sleucian protocol verbatim. Mm-hmm. She's either a fan of the sluice or the gore. One of two must be true. Maybe both. And then portion nine begins. Night falls on the Tamaya Resort. Alio enters the rose ceremony with a rose in hand who stands next to Grippo, also rose in hand. And there are two roses left on the magic pedestal. 
The other guys get ready. And Olio is the narrator here saying who has roses and who doesn't. And then we cut to Tasha and Caitlin are counseling Katie about the seriousness of this rose ceremony that leads into the playoffs. And she tells him that she wants to make the right decision, but fears accidentally sending her fiance home, her person. And this is something that we very usually get at either this phase or sometimes it meanders into the playoffs as well. This idea that you could make a mistake here, that there is some kind of dire consequence to sending the wrong person home. But she says she feels like she does know what she's going to do. But when she sees the guy's faces, all that sometimes goes out the window. And she ITMs once more that she is not confident saying goodbye to any of them. And we get the rose ceremony. First flower goes to Black Box Blake Moines. Last flower goes to Justin Glaze. My mouth was a gape. <laughs> I wrote it here so I would remember. It was pretty fucking surprising to me, too. I got to say that Andrew did not get this rose. I was kind of like shocked in a way. And also, though, at this point, you're watching the game. There's 15 minutes left of the game. I'm like, what the fuck is about mm-hmm. to happen here? So I knew something was going to happen with Andrew. We obviously still hadn't seen the thing where she runs and jumps on him, hoojus him. So I knew that all that was coming. I just didn't know what the context would be. And then we obviously get the context a little mm. later. But I think it is worth noting here, just doing some quick calculations, Grippo is still in the Rose Quotient lead. Now with tonight's zero-point Rose, this man is sitting at a straight one. If he gets another zero-pointer, <gasps> he could be sub-one. No. He's had six Roses. Three zeros, a one, a two, and a three. You can't really get zero-pointers on hometowns, though. Oh, can't you? Can you? Absolutely. Anything's possible in our beloved game. You can get a zero-pointer anytime you want. You know that old thing that you and I coined the term specialty rose? They can come out of nowhere. Uh-huh. You think Grippo's going to get a knock-knock rose? I have no fucking idea. I literally don't know, but it's possible. Even still, let's say he does have to go to a hometown rose ceremony. If he gets the first flower, he's still sitting at a one. You're right. You're right. He's got to get called first. I think he will. We'll find out. But then we come to Andrew basically saying his goodbyes to the guys. Tasha comes in, delivers a Tam Sig. He hugs it out with all the other players. And then, of course, Katie takes him to the dumping bench near a fireplace. And he's kind of teary-eyed. She, of course, is producing tears at all times. Were they between two ladders? Yes. The power of two ladders. (laughs) <laughs> well, the thing is, I have noticed the shot of the fireplace between the two ladders. I always thought that was an indoor space, but we see here the full thing, which is that it's outdoors. It's right next to, it's in the mm. auto zone, basically. Yeah. Um, Shocking. But Katie says, I'm sorry. You're such an amazing man. You give 100% to things you're passionate to. Couldn't look your mom or sister in the eye and tell them what they want to hear. I know what you deserve. I'm building stronger connections. Andrew's crying. He says, it's bittersweet, but just know I will forever hold you dear in my heart. She says, I'm so happy we met. I'm so sorry. You deserve the world. Don't forget that. And he's crying in the limo. It's heartbreaking. Haven't felt this way about a woman before. He's playing this perfectly that he poured himself into this. And Katie does something we've seen in several seasons, which is after a devastating breakup, 
they go down into a squat on the floor crying. It's the iconic Bachelorette squat. Jojo Fletcher had a great one at roughly the same Mm. time in the game. And we see her talking to a producer, which you're like, oh, something's amiss. What is happening? She says, it doesn't feel good. First decision I had to make where I wasn't fully confident. And then, portion 10. You think you're just going to get a a cheers, maybe a promo. No. We see the guys talking about Justin didn't sleep. Alia was ready for a fresh start. Katie says she misses Andrew Knock, knock. It's Andrew S. He says, I think it would be terrible for me to leave this place without a smile on both of our faces. Performs a resurrection. And she tells him it was the first decision she didn't feel confident about. And he says, I'm, I fell for you. I'm super proud of you and love the woman you are. And then he hands her something. He cringles her a note. And this Resurrection Kringle by Andrew S. was my... Play, 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 play of the game. The note reads, if you change your mind, I'll be waiting. She reads it immediately after he leaves and then chases him barefoot through the resort. Finally catches up to him and hoojoos him. A post-mortem hooju. Have we ever seen a post-mortem hooju? I don't think so. And it was a fucking amazing hooju. As I said before, she's had enough practice now. Like, they're all perfect. They're getting ankle lock. They're getting high cling. She didn't kiss him in this specific one because of the nature of the relationship, the context of it at that point, but could have easily. Her hooju's at this point. I'm not saying they're Kelsey Weir level because they're not as athletic. Kelsey Weir is like, a different breed of hoojuer. I don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again. But what Katie Thurston is doing uh-huh. is putting in solid fucking work and she's turning in above nine hoojus every fucking time she does one. It's nine point something every time at this point. I'm astounded really by what she's done for the sub game. And to see a bachelorette doing it so often. But let me ask you this. Did you notice the card when he delivered it to Katie Thurston? The writing on it looked very Mm -hmm. similar to a date card. I'm pretty sure it was the exact same person who wrote it with the exact same pen. This is a producer setting all of this up. So you have to now ask yourself, why are they giving Andrew S. this extra thing? The producers have orchestrated all of this for him, even if it was his idea. Obviously, none of it can happen without their express help. He should have been on a plane mm-hmm. already, right? Well, no. They drive them around in that car for like an hour and, until they get them to cry, and then they bring them back to the <laughs> hotel room and fly them out later. But what they're showing us here is that they're giving him more screen time. They're setting this whole thing up. They're allowing him to give her the gift. All of this is for some purpose. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm like, is this a Bachelor edit? It is a strong heartbreak edit. I mean, it created this cinematic moment of Katie running barefoot through this resort and then saying, if there's a way to stay a little longer, would you want to? You can say no. And he says, it did happen. I feel hurt in this place. And he ITMs, I wanted to say yes. I want nothing more than to, to be with her, but I want my future wife to choose me. 
I mean, he handled this perfectly. And he got, yeah. and she goes, one last kiss. And they kiss, a post-mortem kiss. I, this resurrection was so strong. It, it propped him up in this heartbreak edit. He still says no to her, but it comes off for TRR because he's like, I want my yeah. wife to choose me. It's setting him up for a possible bachelor run, maybe for Sand, where he's like, I want someone who's going to pick me. It was beautiful. It was one of the best plays that I've ever seen on The Bachelorette. To have a resurrection, to have it play well to the first audience, as well as it did, to get a romantic kiss out of it, the hooju, the whole, I mean, fuck. This shit was beautiful. Everything he did tonight, I thought, was just on another level. He was blowing everybody out of the water, and unfortunately, sometimes the game is just fucking against you, and that's that. There's not much you can do about it. He literally left it all on the field, in my opinion. There's, mm-hmm. He played the best game of the entire fucking crew tonight. And he just, uh, just couldn't pull it out in the end, unfortunately. But after all of that is done, Katie Thurston ITMs that she would have been lucky to end it with him, but this journey just wasn't for them. And she knows in the bottom of her heart, this journey is still worth it. With every goodbye, she's one step closer to finding her husband. Now we get the promo for next week. Tasha tells Katie that if you feel you're in love with someone, say it. This is the legacy of, I believe, Andy Baldwin was the first one to do that. And Ben Higgins obviously told <laughs> JoJo Fletcher and Lauren Lane mm-hmm. that he loved them both. And now we're just in an era where it's like, yeah, fucking tell everybody you love them. Because we want to see the complete destruction of someone's psyche. We want four people to be in love with you so that you have to dump three of them. And we get to see three nervous breakdowns instead of one. Can we talk about how in the promo they're promoting the women tell all, but we don't see the women tell all? I found that strange. Wait, is the men tell all next week? No. Or men tell all, rather. It's two weeks from now, right? I thought they said it's next week. Well, we saw shots in the promo of hometowns because we saw Justin talking to somebody I believe was his brother, asking him if they've level of a Ford yet. Oh. So I, I don't know if it's like a dual episode or if the mental all comes later, but we didn't see any. Also, I'll say this. You remember on last season at the women tell all, they fucking botched that one. They had to cut Heather Martin out of it completely. They put out a bunch of images for it that like blew the season because it had people in it. That you're like, mm-hmm. well, I guess they fucking go home. So maybe they learned their lesson. Oh, They're yeah. like, let's just not show anything from it. Possibly, but we see that Michael is conflicted. She's kissing Moyne. Somebody leaves. Then the men tell all, unlike anything you've seen before. I don't know what the fuck that means. And all the guys are back, including the guys you love to hate, they say. And they put Hunter in that group. But it doesn't work because of what Katie has done. She's already defended him. She's already defused their attempt to turn him into a villain. I think it's going to be an incredibly boring men tell all, personally. But time will tell. And then for our tag of tonight's big game, we get Greg Grippo telling Katie a joke about some olives that is just a long way to get to a bad pun. And that did it for tonight's big game (laughs) that was chock full of so much gameplay speech, which I love to see. Some very high-level play by Andrew S. And a couple of errors as well. And some interesting Jorge Moreno bystanders. We had our great creatures. Who was your MVP? I couldn't even think of another candidate. Andrew S. was my... M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-
Ricky. Don't normally give it to people going home, but I feel that he was the star of this episode. I feel like he did everything he possibly could with that love level three, with the Kringle resurrection, getting that barefoot run by the Bachelorette, got a hooju, got a postmortem kiss, got to ask for more time. He had it all. Who was your MVP? Andrew S. was also my M M M M M V P. It is so rare that it has never happened before that our beloved game has had a personal effect on me. By something someone said. When he fucking said that line about every athlete dying twice, I was like, fuck, he sees me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we need to ring a bell. Clues has been emotionally touched by our beloved game. Something that happens to me every episode. <laughs> like I said, I remember the last baseball game I played. And now it's even a thing where it's like, I don't even really have any fucking friends that I could just go play catch with. Like, I don't even know who I'd ask to fucking do that. I'll, I'll play catch with you. Okay, I'm ready. Can you catch a knuckleball? No. I won't be able to catch any of them, but I'll, I'll <laughs> throw it to you. You'll just come out to a baseball field and watch me throw baseballs into the chain link fence? I played foot sports, and I celebrated oh. when we lost our last game of the playoffs when I was on soccer in high school. Oh, sounds like you enjoyed it. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you, too. Beyond the personal effect that his, his second death of all athletes had on me, he just played the best game tonight. And and like we said, you know, sometimes the game just is fucking, it's against you. You can play a perfect game, and sometimes you're still going to go home, and that's what happened here, but it wasn't for lack of effort. He made no errors here, and even beyond that, he was making high-level plays that were far and away better than anything anyone else was doing. That shit that we just saw, the resurrection, your play of the game, I don't know that we're going to see something like that ever again. We certainly have never seen anything like that in Bachelor. I haven't watched all the seasons of Bachelorette, but like, fuck, you're looking at like Luke P trying to do a resurrection and shit. It's just, it never fucking mm -hmm. works as well as this did. There was one successful resurrection, I remember, where a woman was maybe sent home the first rose ceremony and asked to stay and got to go another week. But yeah, I can't even remember her name. No, beautiful game. By the way, so many hoojus in this episode. So many Thurston hoojus. And Clues, at one point, when we were going through this, said Thurston is hoojuing so much, she's going to hooju them on the path of pain. And I thought that was so <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah. The two remaining guys, the <laughs> they get out of the limo, they walk up to the path of pain, and there's Tasia and Caitlin. Well, okay, go see her on the fucking thing. And she just fucking sprints at him. Meets him halfway there with a hooju and I then walks that. with them back up. But uh, great game tonight. We hope you guys all enjoyed this. Thank you so much for coming with us on our breakdown of all the beautiful play that we saw tonight. And thank you all again for picking up a pre-order of How to Win the Bachelor, which is now available anywhere you get your books. Links to it are all over our social media. Thank you also for picking up those Do You Hooju t-shirts, which... At this point, I feel like we are in the season of the Hooju. This is fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And thank you also for voting for us at the 
podcastawards.com, People's Choice Podcast Awards. We are in the TV film category. We will dominate it. We will win. We will walk across the stage and accept our Oscar or whatever that award is. <laughs> I think it is Oscars. Weirdly, they give it at the Oscars and the yeah. People's Choice I mean, I think awards. there's an event. I think there's like a live thing that we would get to go to. And if we won the award, we'd get to give a speech. And you know that shit would be all about our beloved game and the pit. So if you want to see us talking about the pit live on some kind of people's choice award stage, can you oh fucking imagine God. that shit? I'm going to hood you the presenter. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say thank you to everyone out there who voted for us. The pit, the pit provides. provides. People will be <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck is this maniac talking about? <laughs> Well, I hope to have that yeah, experience with you, you one day. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,057 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.